Um, if you're visiting here from out of town and you're going back to a town, I encourage you um, to find yourself a church that points directly to Jesus. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that is a part of us um, needs to be pointing directly to Jesus. If you want to open in your Bibles today to John chapter 4, and we're going to read. And then we'll pray. John chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus heals an official son. After two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana, visited Cana and Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And then Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took his word, took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants came and met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired about the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time which Jesus has said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign. Jesus performed from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that everything in your word points to you. Every good and perfect gift that you give points directly to you, points directly to your son. Thank you that as we live our lives and as we see the beautiful things that you do, it is caused just to point to you. As we come into a worship service today, everything that we do, everything that we are about is pointing to you. I pray that today our hearts would be ready to listen and hear what your word has to say. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the book of John, and, I, uh, and, and Phil would have spoke on John 1 a few weeks ago. And, uh, and last week, Jeremy here would have spoke on, on the water to wine. This week, we're going to go into the second sign. The thing, the thing is with the book of John, it's interesting because the book of John is taken, um, it's kind of like, there's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke, the synoptic gospels. Those are written during the time, well, the time of Jesus going on. It's, it's good. It's fantastic. And then the book of John is, is kind of a step back. It's written after the time of Jesus' life. It's written after the time that, that Jesus' time on earth was here and he had ascended to heaven. So then John kind of looks at the books and he sees the book of Mark and it's chock full of miracles. He thinks, well, that's been done, so I can't really do that again. I can't, I can't really make a gospel that looks like that. I'm going to do something different. So he says, I'm going to make something that has seven signs. Have you guys ever been a part of a scavenger hunt? You know, everyone's been a part of a scavenger hunt. If you've been in youth groups, you've had plenty of scavenger hunts. Well, back last Christmas, we have our tradition in our house to give presents, like most of us do. And I thought this is kind of exciting, but I thought maybe I'd add a little spice to the, uh, 
to the, to the gift giving this year, I'd send my family on a scavenger hunt. So I sent my wife on a bit of a scavenger hunt. So she opened her card and, and she opened it up and there was a, a little clue as to where to go next and all the kids and my wife got excited. They went to the clues and they went and followed the clues all the way around. And eventually, so what happens with the clues were pointing to a, to a big sign at the end. And when you get to, when you got to halfway through the scavenger hunt, my wife got so excited because there was two gardening magazines. And it was, and she was so excited, I thought, this was not the gift that I intended for her to get. But she got so excited, I thought I could save a lot of money if I just bought her gardening magazines for Christmas. So she got so excited, she stopped and she's like, oh, thank you, Jordan, I'm so excited. I'm like, no, in my head, I'm like, no, you got to keep looking, got to keep looking. And so she stopped and she started reading the gardening magazines. I was like, ah. Oh. And then she eventually opened up to a page where the next clue fell out. And she's like, oh, I got to keep going. And she kept going and she got the other gift. And she was excited about that one, but she was most excited about the gardening magazines. That's kind of what happens in, in the book of John. This is kind of what this thing is, this, this passage is talking about, that there's a whole bunch of signs, and they're pointing to Jesus, but sometimes we get caught up on the signs. Sometimes we stop at the signs, and we stop and admire the signs, and we forget what the sign is pointing to. John 20, verse 31, tells us all about what the book of John is about. It's talking about the signs. It says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and and that by believing you may have life in his name. All the signs are pointing to Jesus. That's the whole purpose of every single sign. The water to wine that we talked about last week, that is a purpose to point to Jesus, not to stop at the party and have wine. It's pointing to Jesus. Now this time we have a bit more of a a serious miracle, a serious thing that's going on. Now, Jesus opens up his, his, his miracles with water to wine, which is fantastic, but now we have something more dire. A son's life is at stake. There's something more important going on here than a bit of shame at a wedding and, and understanding that, that the religious implications of water to wine. This is something a bit more. You know, even a hundred years ago, the flu would mean dire circumstances. And it even still does. Thanks to medicine, it doesn't as much. But if there's a flu going on, you can imagine there's this royal official and his son is maybe two years old and he's dying. And he goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need you. So there's something more happening. But before we get to that, We want to look at this. So this is what we're going to call the sermon today. The Logos is greater than the Logos. I was quite excited when I I came across that. But um, the Logos is is what we're talking about, the Bible, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In John 1, we're talking about the Logos. The Logos is the Word of God. It's bigger and better than the Logos. We're going to go back to Psalm 107 before we get into what we were reading earlier. In Psalm 107... It's talking about, the psalmist is talking about the wilderness times that the, that the Israelites were going through. They're talking about the difficult times and the painful times that the Israelites were going through. This is about a thousand years before Jesus' time. And as he was talking about, as he was meditating on that, as he was recalling that, as he was worshiping, it says in Psalm 107, it said, He sent out his word and he healed them. 
There's pain being experienced in the wilderness. And what heals the people is his words, is God's word. God's word comes in and heals. There's pain and there's healing in the name of Jesus. And we fast forward to a few weeks ago when we were talking about, 2,000 years ago, but fast forward to John 1 we were talking about, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and then a few verses later, the word became flesh. The word, the logos, made its dwelling among us. And that word comes and the word brings healing, and the word brings life, and the word brings everything that we need. See, the thing with logos, it can also be, you know, as you interpret it in different ways, it's the word, but it's also logic. It's the logic of God. It's like the logic of God has come. And you could say the wisdom of God has come. In flesh, the wisdom of God has come because sometimes we use our logic and we use our worldly, earthly logic. We kind of make mistakes. Our logic in our sinful natures will point towards us. Everything that we use our logic for is going to point towards us. So we kind of see this in this story. All these amazing things happen, and the logic is like, hey, there's a miracle maker. I'm going to go talk to the miracle maker about getting a miracle. That's our logic. But there's something bigger. There's a sign working. There's something bigger happening. So now we're going to rewind to Proverbs chapter 8. In the wisdom book, this is the wisdom chapter about the wisdom book, and this is wisdom talking about itself in Proverbs 8. And you might say this is the best chapter in Proverbs, if you're allowed to say that, but we might not be allowed to say that, but I might say that. But wisdom is commending itself. Wisdom is speaking as wisdom towards the end of the chapter says this, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on a face in the, on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, the fi- above and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, I was constantly at his side. I worked and made the foundations. Wisdom was there at the beginning. That's a reflection of John 1, and that the word was there at the beginning. Logic was there at the beginning. Wisdom and the word was there at the beginning. God's logic cuts through all the faff. All the outside stuff. Human logic messes things up. So then you have this logic, and we get caught on the logo. So you ask my daughters. I have, I have three kids. Uh, my son, Elisha, is just turned six. He doesn't much care for uh, what I'm going to talk about. But my daughters, they love the store Justice. Have you ever heard of the store Justice? Now, uh, we, we, we love, as Christians, we love Justice. My kids love Justice, the, the store in the mall. They absolutely love it. When they're walking through the mall and they see the sign for Justice, they get so excited. My 8-year-old and my 10 turning 11-year-old get so excited. You see my little 8-year-old, she walks as fast as she can. She's got her little hips moving and it's a little bit, oh, you're too old, too quick. You know, just slow down. But she gets so excited when she sees the logo for justice. I think that's exciting. And she gets so excited. But there's just like this idea of whenever she sees the logo of justice, she gets excited. And she's thinking to herself, hey, justice is what I want. So whatever piece of clothing, if it has the brand name justice on it, I'm very excited. It's like the Nike brand. Nike is quite the, uh, quite the, uh, the brand, and, and you all know the Nike swoosh. I'm a bad idea, decided to run this marathon, and it has been the worst decision I've ever made in my life. And uh, I was out buying some shoes, and I was like, I'm not going to get the Nike shoes. I'm not going to do this, you know. But I have weird feet, um, so uh, 
lots of weird things about me, but my one, my right foot is a 29, and my left, uh, on ski boots, my right foot's a 29, and my left foot is a 27 and a half, so I have a real big variance of, of, of what my feet look like. And so I couldn't really decide, you know, what, what kind of shoes should I get? So eventually I got to Nike, and I thought, okay, I'll have to buy the Nike shoes. So I bought the Nike shoes, uh, much to my chagrin. But we see the sign for Nike, we know what it is. And there's some people, and if you are one of those people here today, I apologize. There's some people out there that love the logo of Nike so much that they've even gotten tattooed on their arms or on their legs. Can you believe that? A logo. See, this is what happens. We get obsessed with the logo. And what the purpose of a logo is, is to bring us to a product. The purpose of the Nike logo is to take us to the store to buy their Nike brand. The purpose of the Justice logo is to take us to the store to buy their Justice brand. The purpose of the signs of God is to point us towards Jesus. The purpose of the signs that Jesus is giving, the purpose of the miracles is to point us towards Jesus. But sometimes we get our Nike tattooed on our arm and we stop at the logo and we don't move past. So today in this In this scripture, we're going to be looking at these almost stations and levels of faith that we see that go through this. And sometimes we're all at these different levels. We're all at these different stations of our faith. And we're going to see level one, level two, kind of like a video game. We get to level four and we are victorious. It's very exciting. So if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to read here from the book of John. After two days in Samaria, Jesus went off from there to Galilee. So Jesus had been up doing the water to wine. He went down to Judea, down, down, the, down south, and he, did, he was there, and then he was up to Samaria. And then two days later, he made his way back up to Galilee. Jesus gave evidence, after all, that he is a prophet, that a prophet is an honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all the things that he had done in Jerusalem and the festival since they had been at the festival too. So he went once more to Canaan Galilee where he had turned water to wine. The Galileans welcomed him because they had seen what he had done. He had seen the magic work before. He had seen the miracle maker do miracle things, miraculous things. The Galileans had seen things happen and they're like, hey man, this is the guy that does all those cool things. This is faith level one. You see the cool things, and you're like, I'm going to go hang out with that guy. It's like if you see a magician, and he does cool card tricks, you want to be around that card trick man, because he can do crazy things with cards. And you're looking at this, and you're like, this is the miracle worker, and this is the level of faith that they're at. They see that this guy can do things, and this is fantastic, but this is where they're at. And then there was a royal official in Capernaum whose son was ill. He heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, and he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son since he was at the point of death. The royal official, knowing the immediate need of his son, that his son faced, he came. He had plenty of people that could go and do this journey for him. He actually had to travel 25 miles, this marathon distance, but through rugged terrain in the heat of the day. But he knew he had to go, he had to go, and he had to go and find this miracle worker because his son was ill. The thing is, he's an official. And he's an official, so what an official is, is a, is a government employee. 
And so he is, a, he is actually pledged his allegiance to King Herod. King Herod, not the King Herod uh, at the beginning of Jesus' life. This is probably his son, maybe his grandson, King Herod. But he had pledged his allegiance to King Herod. And that's where his allegiance lies. But he knows there's a miracle worker. He says, okay, I'm, I'm still a, a, pledging my allegiance to King Herod, but I'm going to go and I'm going to find this man and he's going to heal my son. So he goes and he, and he finds this man. And what does Jesus do? Jesus does what he often does, and unfortunately for us, or very fortunately for us, he gives answers that don't quite fit the question. If someone came up to you and said, my son is ill, my family member is ill, what do you expect? You don't expect them to say, sir, replied the official, oopsies, that was the wrong way. Can we go backwards? Yeah, he was, oh, man, I'm confused now. Next one. Did I lost it there? Off you go. There you go. Thank you. Said Jesus, your son... W- oh, no, I need one before that. That's not what I want yet. Where is it? Anyways, unless you see signs of miracles, replied Jesus, you won't ever believe. If you find that in there, that would be great. But that's what it says. Unless you see miracles, unless you see signs of miracles, replied Jesus, you won't ever believe. That's the thing. He doesn't reply to him and say, okay, your son's sick, let's go figure this. He says, he's almost like he's rebuking him. He says, unless you see signs of miracles, you won't ever believe. But he's not just talking to him, he's talking to everyone that's coming to see the show. Unless you see miracles, this is frustrating, you won't believe. But Jesus also knows, he knows he needs to give them signs and miracles, that's why he's doing it. He's not doing it just because he's bored, he's doing it because he wants to point them to him, but it's starting to get frustrating because everything that they're seeing, he wants to give them more. Jesus is saying in this, he's like, look, these miracles are fantastic, but it's pointing to the bread of life, not just the bread anymore, it's the bread of life. I want to give you life, I want to give you life to a full. Yes, we could do miracles, we could do amazing things, however, those are just temporary. I want to give you something eternal. I want to give you something that will last forever. So it's not the response that he was looking for. See, the thing is, if you stay in faith level one, where everything is based on miracles, when a miracle doesn't happen, then your doubt is going to creep in and be like, does God love me? He didn't do what I asked him to do. He didn't do what I told him to do. God wants us, Jesus wants us to move past that level of faith and say, look, it's not just about the fancy miracles. It's about me giving you life. This is the greatest miracle is my life. If you accept me, I am the greatest miracle. I may heal your son, I may not heal your son. I don't know, we don't know the answers to that, why and why not it happens, but we do know why it does happen is to point to Jesus. So what happens, these people get caught up in the signs. If you are on your way into Kelowna and you see Kelowna 84 kilometers away and you think, great, I'm there. And you take out your tent and you set up shop underneath the Kelowna is 84 kilometers away thing, you're not going to get into Kelowna at all. You're going to be stuck in the middle of between Merritt and Kelowna said somewhere at a sign that you'll look like a fool. Because you're stuck at the sign that gets you to Kelowna. We need to look past the signs and we need to keep going to Kelowna to get here. See, in John 6, 26, after Jesus had fed the, fed the 5,000, says this, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You got filled up, that's why you're excited. You were hungry and I paid for lunch, that's why you love me. That's what people are thinking. And Jesus is like, no, this is not the point. Yes, I did that, but that's to point to something bigger and better. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. We experience the miracles, but those miracles are to point us to Jesus. When you're praying for a miracle, when you're praying for a loved one, when you're praying for that, all that you're praying for is to point to Jesus. I heard a, I was reading this week while I was studying for this, I heard a story of kind of a familiar story where someone was praying for a family member and they said, God, we need you to, to heal this member. And they pray and the, he says, if you heal them, we'll come to church. And God heals them and they're so excited and they go to church the next week, front row, their whole family's there. Week two, their whole family's there. Week three, grandma and grandpa decide to stay home. The next week, the wife and the kids are there. And the next week, they're nowhere to be seen. Because when our God and our faith is placed in just the miracles and not the miracles, it's not the signs that is, not to the person that the miracles are pointing to, it's going to be left empty because that is just a sign, the sign pointing to Jesus. Sir, replied the official, come down before my child dies. So now this official hears the rebuke. He hears what he's saying. He hears all this stuff about that. He's like, hey, okay, okay, I get it. But really, my son is still sick. You still haven't done anything about that. I understand. I appreciate all that you're saying, but my son is still sick. The official is desperate. He's desperate for an answer because his son is dying. And Jesus, out of his compassion and his love and his mercy and his caring and who he, who he is, he says, off you go, said Jesus, your son will live. Off you go, your son will live. The man believed the word which Jesus had spoken to him and he set off. Faith level two. He believes what the miracle maker said. So if you believe that the, that the miracle maker is doing something and then he says something, he's like, okay, I really believe in you because I believe what you said. So now it's not this idea that this man starts to run off joyfully home. He's got 25 miles. It's kind of like, okay, I think I'll take you at your word. And he kind of, I feel like he kind of walks off, maybe looks back. Should I bug him again? I don't know. And I guess it's going to work. He believes and he goes takes his walk, and it's kind of the middle of the day, so he, got, he can't get all the way home. He stops overnight, and then he continues on the next day, and then the next day he sees his servants coming to him. Well, he's still, well, while he's still on his way down to the Capernaum, his servants met him, and the news that his, soul, that his son was alive and well. So he asked him, what time had he... What time had he begun to get better? Yesterday afternoon, about one o'clock, they said. That's when the fever left him. So the father knew that it happened at that very moment. When Jesus had said to him, your son will live, he himself believed and so did his whole household. He, his son, he and his household believed because he had seen what the miracle worker does. He had heard the words that he did and then he had seen the miracle happen. And he was so excited. He said, okay, now we believe. He believed before in something, but he didn't believe in who Jesus was until now. It says he believed, but he believed before. 
but now he really believed. He didn't just believe in a miracle maker. He didn't just believe in someone that could do magic tricks. He realized at this point that Jesus was the Son of God. And it's no longer just the miracles. It's about who Jesus is. And his faith, level three, believed in what? They already believed, but now they believed in who Jesus was. Now his allegiance had turned from Herod to the Son of God. His allegiance had turned from Herod to the Messiah, Jesus, the King. Because if we get stuck on the miracles, we get stuck there and we don't realize that he is our king. We can have many different kings if we just look at the miracle maker, if we just look at the miracles. But if we look at what the miracles are pointing to, it's pointing to Jesus. And that's who we'll believe in. I'm no longer going to place my belief in Herod. He is not going to be the one that gives me life. Me and my whole household are going to believe in you. It's interesting that he says, my whole household. We, we have, uh, in North America, we have developed a very individualistic faith. And it is. It's our personal decision. It's our personal decision to come to Christ. But the whole household believes. It's not like he takes this, you know, it's not like I raise my kids in a household where we're going to try a bit of this and try a bit of that. I'm not going to try a little bit of, you know, we're going to be Christian this weekend, and next week we're going to go to a Buddhist temple, and next week we're going to go try a bit of atheism, and the next week we're going to do something different, and we're just going to stay home the next week and then go back to church the next week. You don't raise your family that way. We are called to raise our families in the way of God. Not looking at the signs, but looking at Jesus. Next week we have the the VBS. We need some volunteers if you want to do that. But this is us raising our family and pointing them towards Jesus. Everything that happens next week is pointing towards Jesus. And that's what our hope is, and that is our responsibility is to point towards Jesus. So then we are a group faith in a lot of ways. It's all very individual. But at the same time, where are we at as a church? Are we believing in the miracles? Are we believing in the signs? Are we believing in the miracle maker? As a family, as a a group of people, are we looking at the signs? Are we celebrating the signs? Are we celebrating Jesus? Every week when you come to church, everything should be pointing towards Christ. Everything that we do is celebrating Christ. When we worship together, it's celebrating Christ. When we take communion, it's celebrating Christ. When the preacher is preaching, he or she is celebrating Christ. As you raise your kids and your family, your home, we are celebrating Christ. When I pray with my kids at night, I say, God, help us to be more like you tomorrow. Not help us to do this or do that. Not whatever, but just help us to be more like you. Life is difficult for our teenagers and our kids and and the next generation. The only prayer that I can pray is, God, help us to be like you. Help us to be like you. That was the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. See, what this scripture is talking to me about, what I'm seeing is that there is distracting signposts along the way that are actually really good things, but they can start to distract from what God wants us to see. Very good things, like the first thing I see is miracles. The first thing we're seeing, and I've talked obviously a lot about it, we get sidetracked by the miracles. I pray for my family, I pray for my kids, if there's sicknesses, we're going to pray for them. And I want to join you in praying because God will work miracles. He heals. He does those things. But the reason why he does miracles is to point towards him. 
if we get sidetracked and we stop and we say, you know what, I'm just going to pray for a miracle, ah, job done, boom, I'm going to go off and do whatever I do. No, the point of miracles is to point towards Jesus. If we end up becoming this place where we, we say, hey, we just work miracles here and we get stuck on miracles, that's dangerous. That's dangerous territory. The next thing is worship. And I love worship. I love worshiping. I lead worship. I love singing. I love being with the band. I love hearing good music, all that stuff. The point of worship is to point us towards Jesus. That is the whole point of worship. And sometimes it can get distracting. I really believe that everything that we've put our hearts into and, and people have put their talents into and their music into and their, and their creativity, I think it's fantastic. But everything needs to be pointing to Jesus. We can get distracted quite easily. We can get distracted by the big. We can get distracted by the loud. We can also get distracted by the quiet. Like, look at us. We're so quiet when we worship. It's not about me. It's not about the feelings that we get. It's not about the, the big experience or the quiet experience. It's about Jesus. Everything that we do is about Jesus. The feelings that we get when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, it's a beautiful thing. I was at a camp when I was, you know, grade seven, and I remember this amazing moment. I was praying at the front, and the Holy Spirit really impacted my life. And I loved it. That was what I just knew my calling. I knew everything. I knew a lot of stuff at that moment. I thought it was the most fantastic moment. But I couldn't stop and stay in that moment forever. Because I knew that was something that was pushing me towards Jesus. If I would have stopped, then I would have said, I just want to be in this feeling for the rest of my life then I just would have been stuck. I would have been stagnant. I would have been stuck at a sign. What the sign was doing is pointing to me towards Jesus. I used to lead worship. Well, I used to be on a worship team in, in Calgary back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was one of those churches, kind of like every church, where you play bass one week and you play acoustic the next week and you play electric the next week and you go back and you're kind of always on the worship team. We didn't have many, whatever. So it was fun. It was fun. I was young. I loved it. I remember one time we were at the front and, and pre-service prayer um, really felt a moment. This lady went to the piano and just started playing the piano. And she started playing the piano. It was so lovely. And the worship team just started to sing and they started to really worship. And there's something so beautiful and perfect about that moment. And the Holy Spirit really came and it was such a beautiful time of worship and it lasted for about a half hour spilled into the service and the service was fantastic it was such a great moment and i thanked god for that i was like this is so great and i look back and i think this was fantastic and it was one of those moments that it was like wrapped up for us in that one moment i can't believe how good it was the next week i came back to do worship and we, we were practicing again the lady got up and she went to the piano and started playing again and start playing and I'm like why is she doing that and she really tried we all tried to get into this moment that we had last week but that moment was for then that was for then that was a special gift God wrapped moment for them to point us for them to point us toward Jesus but the next week we tried to do it again and the next week we tried to do it again for the next number of years we tried to do it again 
See, what happens is we get wrapped up in these equations that equal God. Sign plus sign equals Jesus. No, signs point to Jesus. Last week, we talked about water to wine, and there was the, the, the religious jars. The water ter- turned to wine because we want to get rid of our rituals that X plus Y equals Z. No. Jesus equals Jesus. And he will bless you, and he will love you, and he will allow things to happen if he wants them to happen. See, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit blows us, and the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to blow us toward Jesus. And you, and you get this, and you get this tingling, woo, I like that, and you turn back towards this. Like, ooh, that was nice. I want to be back here. No, the Holy Spirit is blowing us, pointing us towards Jesus. That's the reason why the Holy Spirit is there. That feeling and that excitement is blowing us towards Jesus, but we turn around and we get excited and we become obsessed with this feeling. What needs to happen is we need to realize that this is not about a feeling, it's about Jesus. Because some of us here, we are all made very differently. Some people will experience the feelings, and we are all Christians, and we are all different personalities, and we experience God differently. Some are very emotional. Some people haven't felt an emotion for years. But they're okay with that. All these signs are pointing to Jesus. Last one is the Bible. Don't want to get in trouble. I think the Bible is fantastic. It is God-inspired word. This is what we have. This is God's gift to us to point us towards Jesus 100%. But the Bible can't save us. What the Bible is pointing to can save us. In John 5, 38 to 39, it says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that you have, in them you have eternal life. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. The whole point of the Bible, the whole point of this sign is to point to Jesus. And we can mess that up. We can get confused. We can do stuff wrong with the Bible. You can read the Bible so much. You can put the Bible in front of your face and say, I'm reading the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And Jesus is in front of you. And you say, don't, Jesus, I can't talk right now. I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I can't talk right now. There's some really good stuff in here. Do you want to hear it? No, you've probably never heard it before. I'm reading the Bible. A hundred years ago, this was what was happening. And dare I say it, it's happening now too. 100, 150 years ago, slavery, slavery run rampant. And there's people that said, the Bible tells me it's okay. Because they were reading the Bible and they weren't talking to Jesus about the Bible. They see things and they're like, oh, no, it tells me I can do that. There's a lot of violence that happens in the Bible. If you just sit on that violent scripture and passage and don't put it towards Jesus, you get messed up, you get confused, you get wrong. Because all of scripture is pointing to Jesus. You can get so wrapped up in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, that you miss the point of the Bible. And it's to point to Jesus. You ever done, or you, uh, what is my answer today, God? What did I get? No. I, I believe God can use that. But that's not how we're supposed to read the Bible. Everything is pointing to Jesus. See, there are some good things out there. But without the living Word of God, we're going to mess things up. 
You can stare at the Bible and say, hey, this Bible tells me violence is okay. This, Bi- this Bible tells me that slavery is okay. And you can make the Bible say whatever you want. But you can't go and look Jesus in the eyes and say, Jesus, this is okay. Jesus, the- I can't go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, give me the fuzzy feelings. Give me the warm and fuzzy feelings. Give me the good emotions. Give me everything I want. Please now do it, Jesus. Do it. Because what's he going to do? He's going to look back at you with fire of God in his eyes. He's going to say, no. I am not servant to you. I will do this because I love you. His grace. The official son says, come, go to my house. He wasn't asking. He was demanding. He says, no, I'll do it if I want to. And I want to because I love you. God's going to meet our needs because he loves us, not because we demand it of him. Because he cares for us, not because we... And you know what? Sometimes we're going to demand, God, I need you here. I was going through a very difficult time a while ago. And I'm like, God, you've done so much for me. I need a sign. And I had this moment, and I was back to level one faith. I was like stuck in level one. I needed a sign. You know what God did? He gave me a sign. Someone texted me out of the blue, or someone did something, or whatever, out of the blue. They had no idea who it was. I had no idea who them was. And then it was a God's answer. And I'm like, whoa. But that's because I was at this level one faith. But God wants to move me past that level one faith. He wants me to say, like Thomas says, like we talk about Thomas. He says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Hebrews 4, verse 12 to 13 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It penetrates not the paper pages. The spirit of God penetrates. The living Christ is the one that penetrates our soul. God penetrates our soul. That is the power. This is a beautiful sign. God-inspired sign that points us to Jesus. Faith level four, Thomas. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciple told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in the hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, I believe. If you touch me here, you can see me, I believe. I think we would all believe in that moment. But what does Jesus say? Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. We are going to face doubts in our life. We are going to be at moments. And if God is silent to you right now, if you are going through a moment where you have felt nothing for a very long time, you have not seen a miracle for a very long time, you are confused and you're saying, God, I don't know if you exist, and he's silent, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. If you're going through a time where you're like, God, what is going on? This is hard. I've asked God for signs and he hasn't given me signs. We've got to believe in his word and we've got to believe in the word of God. 
This is pointing to Jesus. We don't want to get caught up in the miracles. We don't want to get caught up in the emotions of a worship time or the, or the nice feelings that, that we get in a, in a good service, in a good moment when the music hits just right or the speaker says something just right. We don't want to get caught up in those emotions because that motion won't be there on Monday morning. But who's going to be with you Monday morning? Jesus is going to be with you Monday morning. He's going to be walking beside you each and every step of your day. Even if you don't feel him, he's there with you. See, doubt is something that creeps up when you get stuck in these moments. When you get stuck at different levels of faith. God wants us to move past those. He wants us to move past the, the believing in the miracle worker. And he wants us to look at what the sign is pointing to. I'm going to call the worship team up. I'm going to sing one last song. And the beautiful thing about our faith and as a community as we come together and worship is that we're just pointing to Jesus. Everything that we do. As we're going to worship, as we're going to sing together, we're going to see that this is about Jesus. I want to encourage you if you are at a place where I want to take some time this week. Be like, God, you've given me some good signs in my life. What was the purpose of them? It was to point to Jesus. Let's stand together. I want to encourage us. Let's pray. Father, I just... We ask you to be with us in our faith and in our doubts. If we're at faith level one where we just see miracles, I just pray that you would move us on to hearing your word and understanding and believing your word. But also if we're in a place of confusion and doubt, I pray that we would trust your word, Jesus. We trust that the signs are pointing to you. Whether we feel it or not, you love us and you care for us. We want to move past the need for signs and realize that you, Jesus, are the sign. You are the one that loves us. You have died for us. The miracle is there. The miracle is eternal life in you, Jesus. We thank you so much for that. It says in Mark, Father, I believe, help my unbelief. I pray for people here right now that may have unbelief. A lot of us. All of us from time to time get confused. I believe, help my unbelief. I pray that in our belief you would help our unbelief to understand and trust that you love us, Jesus. We thank you that you are the miracle worker, but your miracles point to eternal life. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Remember this week, everything good points to Jesus. And remember how much he loves you. Mm. Dismissed.